Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Inputs Only Podcast, where I discuss the inputs within your control that dictate the outcomes you desire. My guest today is Andrew Glaze. He is an ultramarathoner, formerly ranked number one on Strava, fire station captain, and an absolute consistency machine, having run 203 consecutive 100-plus mile weeks as of the time of recording. Not only was this my first in-person podcast in the new studio, it was my first time connecting with Andy and learning what led to him becoming one of the best runners on the planet. In this episode, expect to learn what Andy thinks about consistency, what to do and not to do when preparing for a race, how to find another gear and push past mental barriers, and much, much more, including my personal favorite, how being a punk kid led to a faux kidnapping. Also, don't forget, you may be listening but not subscribed, and we don't want you to miss episodes when they are released. So please navigate to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube and press the subscribe button because your input matters. And now for my discussion about all things consistency with Andrew Glaze. So you're 202 weeks in to yeah. 100 consecutive mile weeks. Yes. What does the internal monologue look like on the days that you don't want to show up? I, I, I mean, I hate to say this, but I really don't have those days. I mean, I, I really love running and um, I haven't really had lows in these four years where I feel like I don't ever want to like show up or run. Sometimes I'll get like overly tired um, especially cause I'm a firefighter and, and we'll, we'll sometimes go several days without very much sleep and I'll get, um, I won't, I won't feel like running on those. I still want to run, but like physically I can't almost like, and, mm -hmm. and I, I just like taking that. So <laughs> I, I, I know that if like I get to a point where I feel like I don't want to run, then, then it's like, it's normally like, well, you need to eat or you need to sleep or, you know, there's like just a couple things that would like that would make me not want to do it. Um, cause I, I wake up every morning, like I know I'm a morning person. And so like when I wake up in the morning, like I'm excited to run, I'm excited to like start my day. Like I go to bed, like thinking like, I wait to wake up, <laughs> you know, where most people like, and I wake up super early. Um, and I know a lot of people can't relate with that. My wife being one of them who she's not a morning person does not like waking up, like would stay in bed all day if she could. And, um, I'm not that person. Like I wake up like, all right, let's go, let's get this. You wake up with yeah. a fire. You're yeah, I go. really do. Yeah. And you know, I have like, you know, part of my consistency is I have a very routine, like morning routine that I do that gets me like going in the direction. And what, what does that look like? So I wake up every morning and, um, take a picture of my watch. Cause I like to like hold myself accountable that I'm waking up really early to get everything done. Um, and also, you know, partially to show my followers, like, you know, the, like I'm being consistent and that I'm like holding myself accountable. Is, is that something that you've always done or is that something that you saw? Cause I, I've seen that one other time before and it was with Jocko. Yeah. Willing. I think I've done it for about six years or so, something okay. like that. I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how long, um, but it's, it's been a while. I've, <laughs> and then I it used to just be a picture of my watch and then I started sort of like writing either what I was doing or like, you know, maybe something a little bit motivational or like, you know, wishing people well on a race or something like that. I started like writing something on the watch. So kind of like the start to the day. Um, so I do that. And then, um, I drink athletic greens. Well, I'm not, not sponsored or anything, but I am. <laughs> There's the plug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm the, I do enjoy like, you know, 
for me, it's like, maybe it's doing something, maybe it's not, but it's more just like drinking like 20 ounces of water, like just straight off the bat, like I think is like very beneficial before you eat anything or do anything else. Um, why I do that, this is like, I, I feel cheesy, like telling the whole thing, but then, so while I'm drinking that, I do like red light therapy because I have like a, a red light that I like, um, mostly for my eyes because I'm getting old and my vision's going. So according to my doctor, Dr. Andrew Huberman, I, <laughs> I need to incorporate more red light into my, Two my plugs in, here. into the mitochondria <laughs> of my eyes. So we'll, we'll see if it works, but yeah, I've been doing that for a couple of years. Um, and then I eat breakfast, which is always the same thing. Uh, granola and peanut butter. Um, a lot of peanut butter because it's like, I, I don't run fasted and I, but I don't normally eat while I run. So I, I give myself like a really like high carb, high fat, like, um, something for my body to chew on while I'm running. And I, I take a variety of supplements, which there's a lot, but I take supplements with my breakfast. Um, and I do a little social media. I normally like post my reels in the morning. I do it like every morning I do a reel. Um, and I go run and it's like every morning is the same. At what point when, so you said you don't run fasted, you're having the peanut butter and granola. Yeah. How, what distance do you need to have be running in order for you to have to mix in something that you're eating during the run? I normally, if I run more than three, maybe three and a half hours and I'll incorporate some food. Okay. So you go, you go more based off time than distance. I think, yeah, because like, um, sometimes I'll do like pretty hard mountain runs and those are going to be like, like longer as far as time goes, but not as long distance wise. Like yeah. if I run to the top of our local mountains, like 11,000 feet, if I run to the top of that, it's only nine miles to the top, but it's going to take me three hours to get there. Yeah. Cause of the vert. Yeah. yeah cause, of, cause it's 6,000 feet of vert. So, um, I'll bring food in that, in, in those cases. And, and if I am going to incorporate food into my like run, I don't wait till three hours. I'm, I'm eating every hour. But if I, if I'm going to eat run fasted for like three hours, like I think last week I did like 16 miles and it was like three hours or something like that. And I didn't eat or drink the whole time. So partially, I mean, there's, there's, there's different like thought processes for that. Like mostly I'm trying to force myself to bonk, which again, yeah, a coach would say, don't do that. And I'm telling you, don't do that. But this is what I do. Um, because I like to, I like to feel bonky and I like to know what that feels like so that if it happens during a race, I don't like freak it's out. It's not the first time that yeah. you felt that. And so it's like, and if I feel it in a race, I'm like, oh, I must need to eat or I must need to drink. Or like, I know what that feels like and I know how to correct it rather than being in a race and being like, I feel like shit. And like, oh, I can't go on anymore. And it's like, well, why do you feel like shit? Why, what's going on? And like, I try to like dissect it while I'm running. But if I make myself feel like that in training, then, um, it works out better in a race. And if I make myself do that during training and then like in a race, I give myself lots of food, then I feel super strong in a race because I'm like fueling myself properly and, and everything. So, but again, don't do what I do. <laughs> just, I'm just telling you what I do. Is that, is that a common theme in, in your life where you try and push yourself to the limit that you could get to or, or the limit that you quote unquote bonk and then learn that piece so you can, can, can learn and grow from it? Yeah. I mean, I, I just like to, um, I like to get to that point where I, I either fail or almost fail so that like I can change something and make it better. 
Um, I've failed many races. I failed many times in life and I always just try to come back stronger or I obsess over what I did wrong. Um, and just like, just continually trying to like improve myself. Like I think a lot of times online and especially social media wise, people like to emulate what other successful people have done. And that, and that's great. I mean, there's definitely a cheat code there, but I think the real joy in life is figuring out what your own cheat code is and like what works for you because we're all very, very different. And so I'm always just trying to figure out what works for Andy and becoming an expert in Andy, not an expert in David Goggins or somebody else, but like what makes me tick, what makes my body tick, what makes my mind tick and like just really just like picking that apart. Mm. And, and, you know, as life goes on, you change. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you have to adjust for that too. You're not going to be the same person forever. So it's like as I get older, things change. Like I said, my vision, right? So now I have to like adjust to that. Like I can't run as fast at night. When I was younger, I could like charge at night and it was like no problem. Now I'm like, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. You know, I had to, I have to adjust. Yeah. You know, so you have to be okay with that. Yeah. You also have some uh, pretty interesting DNFs and and falls that sure. that we yes. can uh, that we can get into. But but I guess before we double click there, how would you define failure? Um, or what is failure? Yeah, to you? I mean, I mean, failure failure would be like if you set a goal and you don't reach it. Okay, but I I think you know there's many successful people will tell you that like failure is a good thing, and I am a strong believer in that as well. Like, um. I think that if you fail, that means that you, you attempted something and, mm. and most people like, um, won't attempt it. So I, I guess true failure would be not attempting it, right? Like yeah. being, being scared of something or like, I don't think I'm going to get, get there. So I'm just not even going to try. That would be true failure. But I think also like for me, it's like, I set a lot of very like lofty goals and, um, you, you don't always get there. Right. I mean, you're always walking that razor wire of like, is this possible or is it not possible? And so. Um, I, I learn a lot through my, like through my failures and I try not to repeat those, uh, like mistakes that I've made to, to, you know, I'll go back and I'll dissect what happened. Um, I mean, it's like any other athlete you're, you're watching your own tape essentially. Sure. You're, you're pushing yourself to a limit. That limit gets you to a place where it's quote unquote failure. <clears throat> and then you'll, you'll go back and, and rewatch the tape, so to speak, so that you can learn from the experience. So it's, Correct me if I'm wrong. I you view it more whereas failure is you getting to a point where you learn something new than actually throwing in the towel. Right. Well, and it's like you know you should be putting yourself in positions where you're scared. Mm -hmm. And like I, I'm scared all the time, and like get super nervous and anxious, and like um, about some of the things that I put myself through. Like I know, like oh man, this is this is not going to be easy, or this is going to be like super hard. And you know, how's my body going to respond, or how am I going to respond, or what's going to go on in my mind, and um. But I, but I make myself do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that, that that's important to, to be giving yourself goals, like large goals that, you know, you should be really scared to do mm. and that might not be possible. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying jump out of an airplane plane with no parachute because that's probably not going to happen, but unless like, you're part of Red Bull <laughs> yeah. and uh, trying to go from plane to plane, True, maybe not. Baby. Yeah, I mean, some people will make that possible, but probably not for me. Yeah. I was I was listening to a podcast the other day and I was talking about kind of a, a similar thing in terms of failure and how 
how they, they were using polymaths, I believe is the term, or polyglots, people who would speak multiple different languages. And they were using that as an example of how someone's able to learn 12, 15, 16, 17, 18 languages in a lifetime. And the guy, I don't know if he's the best in the world at it, but the way that he was viewing it was when he wants to learn a new language, he scores himself on how many times he failed that day in a conversation. And so he goes, I have to have 200 failures in conversation in order for that to be like a check mark of a day with the language. And he goes, I can learn a new language in, in three months. I can put myself in an environment, speak to people, and like, I'm going to introduce myself as tree and like, right, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that I want carpet for dinner and yeah. like these things. And he goes, but I'm putting myself into an uncomfortable situation. And it's only when I am in that uncomfortable space that we actually learn. And I think that's why children learn so quickly. It's because they don't, they don't care about being viewed as, as like, I don't know, did the wrong thing sure. or being judged. Yeah. And, and it seems like that's also how you view not only yourself, but your social content too, because you show up as yourself and right and well, and I'm, there's no there's no like uh, i'm gonna like try and force this or be inauthentic this way to to come off as a certain way and some of my videos do absolutely terrible <laughs> and some of them go super viral and every day is just a new day yeah you know it's like every day i post another video and it's like you know might get twenty thousand views might get two million and it's like you just never know and it yeah. just doesn't really matter like either way because well i'm not sponsored so I, I don't have to like show anybody my numbers but like yeah i mean I'm a firefighter and it's the same thing in the fire service is like guys get so nervous that people are going to like make fun of them. Like when they're training that they're going to do something wrong and you know, that they don't want to try because they're like, they're scared of that fear. Like the kids don't have that. My son now he's like almost 13 and he's starting to get that like where he's like, yeah. you know, he's worried about what other people think about him and like, oh, you know, like we got him a haircut yesterday and he's like, guys are going to make fun of me now. And it's like, well, you know, that's part of growing up, you know I mean? But like, they don't think of it like that, but you, when they're younger, you're right. They just, they can just go. Cause it doesn't matter. It's that's very freeing. I wish we could all be like that. Right. Where we didn't, nothing mattered. Where do you think that comes from that you, you put less importance on it than others do? Well, one, I mean, cause I'm just doing it for fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any financial when you, I think when you put money or like sponsorship or anything like that behind it. And then there's a like inherent pressure to like perform. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have that inherent pe pressure. Um, and two, because like my content is literally just me. Yeah. So it's like, and I am like, what you see online is like what you see. I, I mean, yeah. I'm not like uh, any different. So there's no, there's no pressure because it's like, all I have to do is just be myself. And if you don't like me, and don't follow me and like it doesn't really matter to me right i mean Keeps it's it like, pretty simple right yeah it's it's very simple i mean i did the same sort of hard things that i'm doing now back when i had 700 followers you know like um i didn't have very many followers for a long long time and i wasn't even trying to get followers like not really even sure how it all like worked out like it is now um other than i, I made some videos that went viral and then people started to see what i was doing and now it's like, I don't know. Now it's like crazy. So so is the drive for you on social wanting to stay consistent or is it more of you just have the interest in wanting to share your life publicly? I think now it's, 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 I mean, originally it was just like sharing my life, but now it's turned into more of a, like, I'm appreciating the ability to inspire people and I'm appreciating the ability to make people's lives improve by exercise and like doing things that like challenge them. Like I get a lot of posts and people messaging me like, Hey, I ran my first marathon because of you. Hey, I ran my first ultra because of you. Hey, I ran my first 5k because of you. 
you know, and, and I think that is like, what really keeps me going now is like, just being able to inspire people. Um, the world is like an ugly place and it's filled with negativity and especially on social media, there's so much. I try to be like a little teeny beacon of positivity and just really push that out, hoping that it like counteracts some of the negativity and like, um, especially, I mean, even the running community, we're very supportive, but there are a lot of like very judgmental people in the running community. And so, you know, I'm out there like, Hey, you want to run a 14 minute mile? Let's do it. You know, I mean, I think that's great. Like, you know, um, sometimes I run 14 minute miles. I mean, and, and that's okay. I can run a five minute mile too, if I wanted to, but like any, I just think it's like, as long as people are moving, it's like a good thing. And, um, there was periods of my life where I did not work out and I did a lot of drugs and did a lot of drinking and exercise and really like changed my life. It really like forced me to become a better person. And so if I can inspire just a few people to do that, then I feel like I'm doing a good thing. So, um, much in the same way I, I like decided to become a firefighter. Um, I wanted to help people and I wanted to like, you know, do things that when I die, like make a difference. And so, um, you know, every once in a while in the fire service, I'm a paramedic, we get like a really good save where somebody was like dead and we bring them back to life. Doesn't happen a whole lot. Um, but when it does happen, it's like super special. And, um, you know, that person then goes on and lives their life. They would have been dead. And so it's like, what did they do? Like maybe they accomplished something great in their life, even if that's just being a grandparent or a father or something like that, that would have never happened had they not been brought back to life. Same thing with the, the whole running thing is like, maybe somebody like started exercising or working out. They lost a bunch of weight. They became healthy. Had they gone the other way, maybe they would have died younger. Maybe they would have like lived a miserable life, but you know, they were able to like make that change and then move in that direction. And then maybe they go and they inspire somebody else. And then that person maybe inspires somebody else. And like five people down the road, you know, they're inspiring somebody and they've never even heard of me. Yeah. And I think that would be the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Right? The, that, the, the ripple effect that yeah. you don't recognize of how many people you touch. Yeah. And you know, and, and the more, you know, I'm like, a, I don't even know, over half a million followers now. And it's like, so I'm touching like people from all over the world and it's, it's, it's awesome, you know? And so that, you know, that does get like, keep me going. It does like, it inspires me too, you know, to have yeah. all these people that are, uh, you know, motivated because of what I'm doing. And I'm like, wow, that's really, really great. Yeah. I think the, the coolest part or, or craziest part of all of that is if say you take, cause a lot of people think on social, they're like, I have a thousand followers or 10,000 followers. That's not a lot. But if you put that many people into a room right, or a into lot. a stadium, that's a lot of people in one place. But if you take a thousand people and those a thousand people go help a thousand people and you do that one more time, you've reached a billion people. Uh, it, it's crazy. It's the, exponen the, the exponentialness of that is, is insane. And when you actually break it down of what you're able to do just by sharing your, your own positive light or your own peace in a way that like lights you up, someone could get a little spark from that and then that takes it to someone else and then and maybe they, they have, have no kids idea where that goes to influencing their kids. And then, you know, on and on, you know, I get people, little kids running dinner miles and, you know, with their parents <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's cool. Like I, I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really great, honestly. So I'm, I'm lucky that I'm, I'm able to do it. Taking a break from this episode to remind you that your inputs matter. This show was created to help you build a high performing, healthy, wealthy life. 
And if you feel that you're getting value from this episode, please go ahead and share it with someone who you feel would benefit as well. Now, fun fact, over 90% of our listenership is not actually subscribed to the show. So it would mean the world to me if you went ahead and tapped that subscribe button. Thank you for being here. Now back to the show. Would you say your number one value is consistency? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm good at consistency. I don't know if it's my number one value. I think my number one value is that I like really enjoy doing like difficult things. I enjoy putting myself in like hard spots and like trying to figure out how to get out of them. Um, I think consistency is like the cheat code to get there. Um, and you know, maybe my consistent, I, I, you know, I have like a, a bit of an obsessive personality, like, you know, like when I was younger, drugs and drinking, same thing. I was like obsessive in that too. Um, which obviously led me down a bad path, but pretty much my whole life, anything I've done <laughs> has been pretty obsessive. And, and, and I think if you break it all down, it's always just like that compulsive or not compulsive, that like consistency. That's just like, whatever you're doing, you're doing it consistently. Mm. Um, or you're obsessing over the one thing yeah, that the you're one interested thing, yeah, in that moment. Exactly. So, um, but also in life, I've, I've realized that in order to get to those big goals that are so scary, you have to do a thousand little things to get there. You know, the, the old adage of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And so, I mean, I, I like today's Monday and, um, you know, I always do a big post about like happy Monday. Most people hate Mondays. And I'm like, yeah, I think of Mondays as like the first day of the week, right? It's like, we're starting the week and we're going to like, we're going to have a good week. Um, last week might've sucked last week. Maybe I got nothing done. Um, but today is a new, new start of the day and, and we're going to have like a good week and we're going to start with Monday. You have 52 weeks in a year. You know, maybe your goal is a five-year goal. So that would be like, you know, 200, over 250 weeks. Um, so one week, having a bad week is not such a big deal out of 250. And so it's just that like consistency of like taking a big goal, making it small goals and just breaking it up. And, you know. So you're effectively chunking down yeah. everything is that is everything that you are doing in your life. And if I know like if I do X, Y, and Z each week, and that adds up over time, then I'm going to get to where I need to be. But, you know, the overarching goal is whatever, but it's like a five-year goal, you know, whether it's like, hey, in five years, I want to run 100 miles, or in five years, I want a promotion, or in five years, I want to finish my master's degree, whatever it is, you know, breaking it up week by week works for me. Where did that consistency come from? Or have, have you always been good at consistency first? No, I mean, I you know, I'm not I'm not really sure. I mean, I just... Maybe just the discipline of being a runner and just like, you know, working out. I mean, before I was a runner, I like lifted a lot of weights. Before that, I did like triathlons. Like I've done like a lot of like physical activities. And I think anytime you train for anything, you just have to like put in the time. Um, but I, I mean, I've been doing it for so long. Like I'm not really sure what what the origin story of yeah, like yeah. it is. Um, I've, I've come to a lot of like low points in my life where I felt, you know, fought, fell off the wagon for whatever reason. Like, um, like when I had my son, like I kind of stopped working out as much. There was a point where I got kidney stones really bad and I like couldn't really work out for a while. And like, just, you know, life happens, things yeah. happen. Um, and then whenever that happens, you have to figure out how to get back into it. And so I would always like start slow, like, okay, like you haven't really run in a couple months because you had kidney stones or 
you haven't run in a couple months because you had a son and you're, when I had my son, I was in paramedic school and you know, all the excuses, right? Uh, I was working a full-time job in paramedic school and had my son. And definitely during that time, I fell off the wagon a little bit. I just didn't have the time to, to, to like do anything. Slowly, I worked my way up just like, like running one or two miles a day. And, you know, as I did that, I would feel myself getting stronger and stronger. And then the next thing I know, like a couple of weeks, I'd be like running 10 miles again. But I had to trust in the system, like my process, like, even though I know I used to run 10 miles, I couldn't do it right that, that moment because my body wasn't where it needed to be. So, but you knew going into that, it would remember. I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that was the, what I believed in. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if it was like really true, you know, okay. like same as like right now I'm like tapering because I have a race on Saturday and whenever I taper, tapering is like reducing your volume before a race. I get a lot of questions. People don't know what that means, but, um, so I feel like terrible why I taper because I'm not running like my high, your body's so used to, yeah, to the high mileage yeah. and all of a sudden it's like, it's like, what, what are you doing? Like let's go run. Like, well, I can't run. Well, why not? I want to run right now. Um, but I just have to trust the process of like reducing the volume will then make race day feel better. Mm. But like mentally I'm like, this doesn't feel better right now. I think we should go run, but I just have to trust the process. Yeah. Gonna, and it, it works out. So what does your taper process look like? Mine's terrible. Don't, don't do what I do. Um, I normally just go really, really hard up until the week before the race. And then I reduce my volume by like 50%. What should someone do? Uh, I don't know. I'm not a coach. Do you, do you have a coach? You're, you're your own coach. Yeah. My own coach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think the most coaches will tell you like a couple weeks of reduced volume. I'm not really, I'm not really sure, but yeah. Um, well, you, you go based off of field too. And that's kind of like what you were talking about before with learning to figure out where you're going to bonk. You're pushing yourself to the level that you then right. know this is what feels right for my body. It, it's it's a complicated uh, like answer because I'm not trying to win. Um, I'm I'm running 100 miles every week. So that already puts me into like a situation where I can't really taper. Um, and I'm running like a ridiculous amount of ultras every year. So do race miles count towards the hundred miles? Oh yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just running. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise the, the streak would be broken. So it's like, I mean, most like I ran 15 ultras last year. Most people don't run that many, like in 11 were hundreds and two were two hundreds. So, um, most people don't race like that. So it's like, I'm not like, I'm not out there trying to like win it. If I was, if, if my objective was to win it, then I would have to like change what I'm doing. But my objective really is just to have fun and to experience the race. Um, occasionally I do win, but it, you know, it's no normally when like attrition or something like everybody else has a bad day. And I just like the consistent, here comes like the tortoise, yeah. just like Slow all the rabbits are the dead. Cake, yeah. And then uh, here I come, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> but you know, it, it doesn't occasionally happen. So, um, yeah, it's just like a, I just have a different perspective on what I'm trying to accomplish when I come to these races. So the main outcome is is pushing yourself towards something that's more and more challenging every single time. Yeah, I mean, so like last year I did a hundred mile race and then I had one day off and then ran two hundred fifty mile the race. Coco Canyons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like obviously in that situation, like wasn't ideal, and yeah. I was putting myself into like a situation where I was very, like my body was very stressed and like you know I had a lot of issues, but I. I just wanted to put myself into a really hard, hard situation. And I succeeded. That was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. So, um, do you have anything else like that in your sights for the future? 
Ah, uh, God, it's so hard to like line stuff like that up. I, that was just like super lucky. I mean, this year I'm going to just be doing a lot of really hard mountain races. So I'm putting myself like I'm doing Leadville, which is like a hard mountain race. Um, hundred miler in the mountains of Colorado. I think it's like 10,000 feet to 13,000 feet, like something like that. And then like, I want to say 10 days later, I'm doing UTMB in France, which is 106 miles with 33,000 feet of vert. And then basically the height of Everest. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's even higher. I think it's more than that. Yeah. 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 Everest is like 10,000, it's 10,000 meters of climbing. And then two weeks after that, I'm doing run rabbit run, which is another Colorado hundred. So I'll be doing three very hard mountain races and like, I don't know, is it three weeks? Like within a month. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So, um, That'll be, that'll be challenging. So I, I know you enjoy the process of running. Right. You say that like you wake up, you're fired up to go run. When you're doing like the Coco Canyons or you're doing one of these races where you have back to back and you get to a point where like you're just in the shit, what does that internal monologue look like? I mean, it, it really has to depend on what the shit is. At Coco Canyons, on like the third or fourth day, I can't really remember what day it was, but like, I just started like falling asleep. Like I couldn't like stay awake anymore because I'd been up for so long and just done so much. Um, so I just had to let myself take naps. You know, I mean, I, I have a lot of tricks now to get myself out of like tough points and normally it's naps and food. So as long as I, as long as I keep those going, like I'm, I'm, I'm okay. The, so I ran my first hundred, um, beginning of December right? and something that I recognized in mine. So long as I had run leading up to that was 28 miles. And at mile 28 in the race, my body just said, fuck off, like, and shut down. But I realized that like my body said this, my mind said this, but I realized that I was like the awareness sitting above it kind of piece, which sounds kind of ethereal, but like sure. you're, you're viewing yourself in that situation. And I continued to push through. When I hit mile 40, it was like I was fresh again. Uh-huh. It was like I, 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 I came back and it was like I was starting the race day one and 40 to 75 just flew by. Have you, you experienced similar things or what would be the reasoning for that like so deep in the suck and then all of a sudden you feel fresh? Well, I mean, cause, I mean, ultras is like it's a roller coaster of emotions. Um, I, I definitely- it's like a lifetime in a day, it felt like. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have that same thing. I normally- and the more I do it, the more it becomes normal. So it's like, normally the first 20 miles, I kind of feel terrible. Like, like I'll just get weird aches, like, oh, my hamstring's tight, my lower back hurts, you know, maybe my ankles feel off or something like that. And I kind of like fight through this sort of like uncomfortable sort of painy feelings. And that kind of all goes numb. And I feel, I feel pretty good. And then like around mile 55, 50, then I start like, I get like a really bad low. And I don't know if it's because it's like, that's probably like around dinner time or something like that. So it's like, my body's like, hey, we need like a meal. Like not, I don't, I'm, I don't want any more chews or goos or what. I want like food, food. Um, and so normally I like, I'll eat something a little bit more solid um, at an aid station if I can um, and, and eat a little bit more. And then like around 65 or something, I start feeling good again. And then it just really depends. The last 20 miles are either going to go really good for me 
or it's just going to be a slog. And it's like either or. I'm like, fuck it. I got 20 miles. I'm going to get there. It doesn't really matter. Even We're if counting I in reverse. Even We're if going I feel, backwards. Yeah. I mean, like if I feel terrible, I mean, 20 miles is not really that challenging to me. So I'll just like suffer through those 20. Mi- I mean, this last race, I did a race on Saturday. Last 20 miles, I was I was struggling a little bit. But um, it's because the week before I had run 207 miles. So it's like my body. Celebrate the 200. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was like a mile 80. I was like, I feel those 207 <laughs> miles. I, I've done this to myself. That was not a good taper week. <laughs> so. <laughs> Do you, leading up to a race, do you have any like superstitions, things that you walk through, specific meals or things that you have? Or is there any type of like pregame routine, so to speak? Um, I used to like, always have pizza before a race but i got a dairy allergy so that went away because you're you're vegan now i'm too, vegan correct? now yeah because i got a dairy allergy I, I i've been vegetarian for like 20 years and then like four years ago i got a, a dairy allergy and so then i became vegan because a vegetarian with no dairy is <laughs> vegan so um not really i mean i like to run like a mile or two the night before just as like a like a shake out. I, I normally always do that. And um I like to go to bed early. I mean, I think sleep like good amount of sleep before a race is is pretty pretty like fundamental. Especially a multi day. Yeah. And then I mean, I just do the same thing every morning. Like I still wake up and I like eat my granola and peanut butter and I take my supplements and like do everything that I normally do. Um, post on my social media and then go run the race. So I mean not really anything special. I just like stay, stay consistent. You know, it's like the same, same routine. So I feel like really good about it because it's just like, I'm going out for another run. My, my body's ready. With the consistency piece, how do you, how do you view recovery? Cause that obviously with how much you're running, how you're, you're viewing the, the races that you're going into and preparing for recovery obviously has to be like a major piece of that. Yeah. I mean, or is it? It's not, not really. I mean, my whole life is, is recovery, right? I mean, my whole life is like trying to get back to baseline and I never get there. Um, cause I'm, I mean, I'm running like 20 miles a day on average, something like that. Your body's just become accustomed and to it. And it's been like that for years and years and years. So it's like, I always feel sore and I always feel tired and I always feel like, like I'm pushing like cement blocks on my legs at first. I always like say like, I, I'm always at mile 80. Like every morning I wake up, I'm at mile 80 and I have to figure out how to like push through it. And then then when I'm actually at mile 80, it's not such a big deal because it's like every day I train at mile 80, um, which again is not ideal. I know a lot of people like to feel fresh and recovered. I mean, things I do, I, I drink a ton of water, absolute ton of water. Um, I, I eat a healthy diet, like not a lot of uh, like processed foods. I don't eat any fast food. I don't drink any alcohol. I don't do any drugs. Um, I watch TV. I don't um, take a nap every day. I I get massages. I do my ice bath every day. I do a sauna work every day. Uh, I'm trying to think what else like. Pretty standard. Yeah, I mean, Pretty like standard, all yeah. the all the sort of like that sort of stuff. I mean, people will talk about, and I, and I think it works. Like, I mean, it works for me. How how long do you do sauna and cold each day? So uh, we do like the like three round protocol. So it's like 
15 to 20 minutes and three minutes in the cold, then like 10 to 15 minutes and two minutes in the cold, and then like 10 to 15 minutes, one minute in the cold, something like that. I mean, it all, it, sometimes I only do one round, sometimes I only do two. It, it, it depends. I got three kids and, you know, I got all these things to do. <laughs> and that, so sometimes I only do one round, but I try to do three if I can. Are you always like testing and trying new things too? Or is it like this is, I guess the question I have for you is where, at what point does something, what, what point do you start to look for a new thing? Or at what point do you look to implement something else into a routine that you can then become consistent with? I'm always looking for new things. And, and I do that because, so I, I run so much, like say, we'll say 30 hours a week. I listen to a ton of podcasts and a lot of them are like health related, you know, uh, science related. And so anytime I hear like, Hey, this works or I'm always like, Oh, I'll try it. You know, I, I always like, and if it, and if it works for me, like, then I can keep doing it. You know what's, I mean? What's the, what's the length of time that you, you give it to figure out if it does work for you? Um, I mean, so I'll do it for a couple months. I mean, if if I really feel like not like it's not working at all, like then then I'll get rid of it. But, um, I mean, the sauna cold plunge. That's, I mean, I started. I didn't have a sauna, so I was only doing cold plunge, and I would just do like seven minutes straight. And I, and I think that worked great. But I get a way better high when I do it back and forth. Um, you get like a really intense like rush. I mean, it's. It's like pretty, pretty amazing. So, um, I don't know if it's, if I get more recovery that way. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of the science about like sauna work being really good for like long-term cardiovascular health and things like that. Obviously there's no way for me to, to like test that. I mean, I, I'm a paramedic, so I do like 12 leads on myself looking at my heart and my heart seems to be in like good shape. I have a low resting heart rate. My HRV is really good. Um, but you know, who knows if it's like, because I'm doing sauna or like, I, I know the sauna works for like, um, like heat stress. So like when I do like hot races and stuff, I'll do like a lot of, uh, sauna work, but, and then the cold, I don't know if it helps for recovery, but I will tell you that it works for mental health, like a lot and having, like, I have pretty significant PTSD from my job and, um, the two things I use for PTSD is like cold plunging and like long distance running. I don't see a therapist. I don't do any drugs, but, um, the dopamine release when you do cold plunging, like really makes me feel great. Makes me feel happy. It fills me with like happiness. Um, and running long distance shuts my brain off. So those two things in combination, like, perfect, like really, really help me. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving medical advice here. Um, but I'm just, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that have PTSD and they use like, you know, drugs and alcohol to deal with it. And, um, I just don't think that that's probably the right way to like handle it yeah. uh, for long-term health. Is the PTSD primarily from the job or is there stuff earlier in, in life as well? Yeah, it's the job. Yeah. You, you just see horrible things, you know, I mean, just, I mean, the the reason I asked though is because I mean going back to the Huberman piece and 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 the, like the science behind the health of it as well with ultra marathons there's like a big link to early childhood trauma and a big link to like things happening in life and that's the way to regulate uh -huh. and like I lost my mom when I was in my teens and I think that was one of the reasons that I was so interested in endurance sports or in, in sports in general but then endurance sports in particular 
um, obviously not to the same level, but um, I've always been curious to see like, what's the link or what's the, the underlying reason or why someone gets so interested and fixated on something like that? So, I mean, I didn't have like a terrible childhood, but like, I, you know, like I got into drugs and alcohol and like did bad shit when I was a kid and I got sent away. Have you guys seen, or have you seen the, um, there's a Netflix uh, documentary called Hell Camp. Mm-mm. Have you heard of this? No. So, um, were, I haven't were you seen, in the show? I, I have not seen it, <laughs> but I've had many people contact me about it. And apparently it's about, it's about this wilderness camp that, um, people were sent to back in like the nineties and, um, it was in Utah and like all this stuff. Well, when I was in the nineties, when I was like 16 years old, I got sent to this wilderness academy. The exact, the exact. Not, it's, I don't think it's the exact one, but they had a couple going in Utah at the time. And, um, the, the conclusion of the show, my friends that have seen it told me that like, Anybody that went through one of these camps back in the nineties, like has like a strange addiction for like, like endurance sports because essentially they like kidnapped us, shipped us out into Utah and we hiked around for like 90 something days, basically like survival mode. Like they gave us a bag of flour and a bag of cornmeal and a bag of boiled peanuts and raisins. And that's all we could eat for like 90 something days. And we're 16 and when I was 16 and um there was like 10 kids and like i mean it was like it was fairly traumatic i mean i loved it because it was like i was like backpacking but um yeah i don't know it was basically like so i was in like a bad spot and like drugs alcohol whatever like i ran away from home and then all of a sudden now i'm in this like wilderness academy where i'm having to survive and um so I took my like my trauma from being a, the childhood stuff and then like turned it into like endurance, right? Because it's like I had to like hike and do all these like really hard things. So like, like maybe maybe there's a correlation, right? Like maybe like because I was 16 and I was like my, my brain was still forming, and like that taught me that like when you're in like an emotionally bad spot, you can like exercise and get out of it. And here I am still doing it. Interesting. So. Um, like I, tra- I don't watch TV, so I'm not going to watch it, but like, I, you know, a lot of people have told me that it, it's like a, a child version of the Barclays marathon. Very similar. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, I mean, I guess that's possible that like, that's why I like, cause it like before ultras, I, I, I did, uh, off the course racing before that I did triathlons for that. I just did like running races. I've like lifted heavy. I've like, you know. Anything physical, I've always been kind of obsessed with as as long as I've been working out. Was there ever a point in your life that you didn't work out? I mean, when I was in college, I didn't. I smoked cigarettes and was like super unhealthy. And then after college, um, I did it until I, I started running and, and getting back in shape when I was, I want to say 23 or 24. And previous to that, very little exercise at all. Um, yeah. What was the, what was the tipping point to bring you back into it? Uh, I mean, I, I started getting anxiety attacks just out of the blue and I didn't know what they were. I felt like I couldn't breathe and like my heart would race and, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I mean, this is sort of before the internet before, you know, you could just go, Hey, what are, these are my symptoms, you know? 
Well, you search anything now, yeah, it tells now you you're it dying. Is, yeah, so. exactly. So, I, you know, I, that was sort of a tipping point. And then I can't really remember if I went to a doctor or I talked to a friend or something, but somehow the conclusion was that I needed to work out and I went and got a personal trainer and just started doing like basic li- lifting and like elliptical trainer type stuff at like an LA fitness. And yeah, from there, here we are today <laughs> running thousands of miles. So it's continued through, yes. continued through ever yeah. since. But that was like, you know, ever since then, it's been fairly consistent. I've had a couple of periods in the last 20 years where maybe I wasn't like as high as it is now. Like I said, like when my son was born and there's been a couple of times that I got sick, but overall the last 20, Two years has been a lot of exercise. Your your kind of tagline, smile or you're doing it wrong. Where does that come from? So it comes from it comes from a Strava segment um, near my house that it's called "You're Either Smiling or You're Crying," and it's this like beautiful trail that's pretty difficult. But like, like I I was running it one day and I was like, man, if if like you're not smiling on this, you're like you're doing it wrong. Because like, it's just like the best segment ever. I just absolutely love it. So that's where it like came from. And like, you know, I said it for a long time and then now it's like, now it's this. Just kind of stuck. Now it's yeah, this huge thing where, yeah. But um, been around for a long time, w- way before I had like a lot of followers. Um, I just think, and it, you know, it's it's obviously morphed now into more of a like, it's that positivity, trying to push out that positivity and just trying to, you know, remind people like when you're in like really tough spots that like you probably put yourself in this tough spot and there's probably a reason why you're in this tough spot. And it's like, it's not such a bad thing. You know, I mean, uh, it goes a lot to races, but I think, you know, life is a race and like, you know, maybe you're trying to get a promotion or, or whatever, but just, just to remind yourself that like, this is a good thing. This is not a bad thing. You know, if you're feeling pain in a race, it's not such a bad thing. If you like think about like the big picture, which is like, you can race, you're healthy, you're strong, you've trained for this. You know, there's a lot of people out there that cannot be in the position you're in right now. And it's not always their like decision. Like maybe they're in a car accident. Maybe they were born with one leg or like, you know, born and not being able to run. So just trying to like, I'm always trying to take negatives and, and switch them into people's brains into positives. Um, because I, I mean, ultras are a mental game. Life is a mental game, and um, the lessons you learn out in the ultra marathon you can easily translate into business, school, like life, family, whatever. Um, just it's easier to learn it in an ultra because it's just a day, you know. Whereas you know, life and everything else is over your you know many years. Yeah. So, well, I think there's something to be said with that too because. I mean, if you view view life as a race, if you're only seeking to get to the end goal, it's like, why am I racing towards my death? Right. If that's the only inevitable that we know that is going to happen in our life, the only concrete thing. It's like, if you're in this, one, any storm runs out of rain. Every storm runs out of rain at some point. So if you're in the shit, you know it's going to get good. If you're in the good, you know at some point it's going to go the opposite. So just enjoy presently where you're at. Right. And if you can like smile or you're doing it wrong, if you do that daily, you're you're stacking and, and compounding enough of those consistent days to get to some end goal. Well, and if you smile at somebody, they inherently smile back. And if they smile, then like there's a trigger in their brain that might help them out too. Like I love out and back races. Cause it's like, 
I get across all these people and they're all coming at me and they're like grimaced and like, you know, I always like smile at them like, great job, you know? And then like, they don't know what to do because they're in the shit, you know, they're in the, like, they're in the low part of the roller coaster, but, but they'll always smile back at me. Thanks. Or like whatever. And then I know that there's a shift in their brain now. And, and it's like, maybe it's just small and maybe it doesn't do anything, but maybe it like gets them back up on that upswing with the roller coaster and then they start going in a better direction. Might happen. You know? I've, never, I've never thought of it like that. Yeah, I've always, I've always liked loops. So you <laughs> well, never see the same train. Well, no, even twice. on a loop, sometimes you'll, 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 you'll pass people, right? If you're doing a loop, like sometimes, oh, I they, see. like in a race setting, yeah, you'd yeah. Be, or you'd sometimes be doing they do loops laps. where it's like, um, you know, like a washing machine style. So you do one this way and one this way. You'll see people. But yeah, giant loops. I mean, that's obviously fun too. <laughs> you know. Um, one of the questions I have for you, based on kind of everything that we've talked about is what would you say is what impact or input I should say what input has produced the largest return for you in your life I think I I when I, when I switched from in my life I was a like I did like computers and networking and stuff and when I switched to like the fire service I think that was probably like the biggest because I was shifting from sort of like just making money and like that was more my focus in life to helping people um, and like doing things that like made people's lives better, but maybe didn't make me as rich. And I think that was like a huge shift in my whole life and input and everything was that mindset of like, doing something to make the world better rather than doing something to make Andy wealthier. And I think in life in general, like, you know, we're very money centric and like, it's all about who has the biggest house and nicest car and things like that. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that that's not important and it's nice to have nice things. Um, but for me, when I shifted and, and, and decided I was going to like focus more on helping people rather than, you know, just making myself better. Yeah. I think that was a, a like a, a big thing for me. Or assuming that the only riches is monetary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and but that's what we're taught a lot. Yeah. You know, American society is, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. So. Well, Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, closing tradition on the podcast okay. is what is your most gifted or favorite book? It's, um, and Search of Meaning. Yeah. By, Victor Frankel. Yeah. I love that book. Um, I try to read it like every year just because the book stays the same, but you change. And so it's like, I think it's when you find a book that you really like, I like to go back and read it and see if it applies differently to my life. But um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my, my favorite. Top, my top three too. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a good, in it's, there. I mean, it's, it's terrible and it's um, it's beautiful you know but it's 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 a great book where is the best place for people to find you or where would you like to direct people to uh so on instagram i'm am glaze like am glaze uh tiktok i'm glaze runs and strava i'm andrew glaze with the verified check that's right look, look for the orange <laughs> check mark <laughs> beauty yeah. Andy, anything else you wanted to say before we sign off do your daily reminder to do hard things as it wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Andy, thank you very much. Yeah, have a great thank day. you.
Do you need another podcast to listen to? We've discovered that people who liked this episode also liked another recent episode, which I've gone ahead and linked for you in the description below. I know you'll enjoy it.